Ah, welcome to Movie Magic. We would be honored if you would join us. Five, six, eight. Five, one thousand. Four, one thousand. Three, one thousand. I am the father. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Are you one of those single tier people? All the dogs in King's Landing howl through the night. They cry out for their true queen. Name's Bond, James Bond. One of them leads to the castle at the center of the labyrinth, and the other one leads to certain death. <gasps> Go ahead, make my day. He sounds like quite a man. A passenger has died on the train. Who gave the order to kill me? Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM, 89.3. Commence primary ignition. I'm going to dedicate today's Movie Magic to the new TV series that's on Disney+. Plus. Is it any good? Well, I'll give you my opinion in just a bit. First, I'd like to give you a backstory of this Jedi in Star Wars. Now, there are many Jedi species. Some are human, and some are aliens. Obi-Wan Kenobi is human. He served on the Jedi High Council during the final years of the Republic era. Now, I'm assuming here that you have watched some Star Wars, if not all. Now, if you haven't watched any, maybe you could give it a try, and I would suggest watching episodes 4, 5, and 6 first, and then episodes 1, 2, and 3, followed by 7, 8, and 9. And then you can watch the rest of the spin-offs and backstory movies. So back to Obi-Wan. As a Jedi general, Obi-Wan Kenobi served in the Grand Army of the Republic that fought against the Separatist droid army during the Clone Wars. However, he was forced into exile as a result of the Great Jedi Purge. This is when the Republic, led by a tyrant leader that embraced the dark side of the Force, built his army of stormtroopers and got humans and other species to join the Sith, and they were tasked to seek out Jedi and wipe them off the face of the universe. There are a lot of Jedi that died during the battle in one of the episodes of the theatrical release of Star Wars, and I'm not going to tell you which one if you haven't watched any of them. Now, as a mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi was responsible for training two members of the Skywalker family, Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker, both of whom served in turn as his Padawan in the ways of the Force. Now, if you're not a Star Wars fan yet, and if you're wondering what a Padawan is, well, it's like an apprentice. And Padawans are distinguished by a braided ponytail. It makes one think if there's some sort of indigenous teachings in Star Wars. I know there are some Buddhist sayings and something to do with spirituality and stuff like that. But this, hmm, I wonder... Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. During the Clone Wars, which you'll witness in one of the, you know, theatrical release of Star Wars, um, Padawans were trained in combat and served as military commanders of clone troopers. An extended version of the Clone Wars can be viewed in an animated version of Star Wars Clone Wars, and that you can find on Disney Plus as well. Now, at the end of the war, however, the Supreme Chancellor Palpatine forced the clones to turn on the Jedi. Still, some Jedi survived. 
and under the guidance of two survivors, Masters Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda, and of course, Luke Skywalker, because he was trained as a Jedi by then. Luke Skywalker attempted to rebuild the Order, but the majority of his apprentices were killed and Ben Solo turned to the dark side of the Force. Years later, Rey, a scavenger from the world of Jakku, became the apprentice of Luke Skywalker. This is in the theatrical episodes 7, 8 and 9. Prior to all this, Obi-Wan Kenobi, as a Padawan, was assigned to Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn. He attained the rank of Jedi Knight by defeating a certain Sith Lord during the invasion of Naboo. Now, I'm not going to tell you which Sith Lord he defeated because I want you to watch it if you haven't watched any of the Star Wars yet. He also chose to train Anakin Skywalker despite warnings from Yoda about the child having a troubled mind. But Anakin was the prophesied chosen one who was destined to destroy the Sith and restore balance to the Force. Obi-Wan promised Qui-Gon Jinn that he would continue with the mission. The theatrical release of Star Wars Episodes 1, 2, and 3 is where you'll see a lot of Obi-Wan Kenobi played by Ewan McGregor. Fortunately, this actor has not aged since then, and so he was the right person to reprise the role in the TV series Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is now streaming on Disney+. Now, that's a little brief history of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, I can go on about where he was born and stuff like that, but that would only bring out the Star Wars nerd inside of me. No, I lied. It's not inside of me. It's showing all over. Now we have a TV series dedicated to Obi-Wan Kenobi. What's it all about? Is it any good? Stay tuned. Money FM 89.3. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez. So Disney Plus has a new Star Wars series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It also has the theme composed by John Williams. How awesome is that, huh? So Disney started their Star Wars live action series with The Mandalorian. That, in my opinion, was very well done with Pedro Pascal in the lead role, although we didn't really see his face much. And that made him mysterious, which was good. It was so successful that they even made a lot of money selling the merchandise. Groku, you know, the Baby Yoda-looking stuffed toys, flew off the shelves as if there was a force within it. Then came the series, The Book of Boba Fett, which gave us the backstory of Boba Fett. Now, I was looking forward to it because of how well The Mandalorian was done. However, The Book of Boba Fett, in my opinion, was so badly done, as Boba Fett, unlike The Mandalorian, took off his helmet and he wasn't mysterious and... He wasn't mean or threatening enough to play the role as compared to, you know, his original character in the original series. Will Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, be better than the book of Boba Fett? Well, let's weigh the pros and cons and see if it would live up to the hype. First of all, let's talk about Ewan McGregor, who plays the lead role. He has a natural Scottish accent in real life. But he can put on other accents as well, like British, American, French, Spanish, and more. And in this, he sounds a little bit like Alec Guinness. We'll talk about that in a little while. Now, he studied alongside Daniel Craig and Alistair McGowan. And his roommate was Jude Law. 
He's not only talented but good-looking as well and is one of the most critically acclaimed actors of his generation. He was born in Perth. Now, you know, you're probably wondering if he's Australian. No, 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 he's not. The Perth I'm talking about is in Scotland. It's actually quite an interesting place if you like exploring century-old churches, you know, castles and palaces. It's in the outskirts of Scotland. Ewan McGregor's parents were both teachers, and you would think that they would encourage him to stay in school and continue with his academic studies. But instead, they encouraged him to leave school if he wasn't happy and to follow his dreams. So in 1987, after leaving school at the age of 16, he worked as a stagehand at Perth Repertory Theatre and had you know, small roles in their productions. That got him really interested in the arts and he got into music and drama. That's where he met Daniel Craig and Alistair McGowan. The rest, as they say, is history. And history is what Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series on Disney Plus, is all about. But did you know that Ewan McGregor nearly never became Obi-Wan Kenobi? You see, this talented actor with the cheeky, boyish, mischievous smile had to turn down the lead role in The Matrix due to his commitment in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. He played the young Obi-Wan Kenobi as a Padawan. He had to give his full commitment and dedication to the movie as he went on to act in Episodes 2 and 3 as well. To tell you how committed he was, well... He watched all of Sir Alec Guinness's movies so that he can study his speech and pacing as well. Because Sir Alec Guinness was the old Ben Kenobi. McGregor said that he had been waiting to use the lightsaber for 20 years and it's the coolest thing ever. In fact, he was so carried away that during the filming of the lightsaber fights in Star Wars Episode One. He used to imitate the sound of the lightsaber and George Lucas had to tell him that, hey, wait a minute, the sound effects will be added in post and he would not have to make those noises. So, you know, shh, keep quiet. So the three Star Wars movies, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith were all paced out from 1999, 2002 and 2005. The new series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, gives us the backstory of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it takes off after the theatrical release of Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And the story is what happened during the time between Star Wars Episodes 3 and 4. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. The effects are out of this world as it's done by Industrial Light and Magic, the company that... Uh, did the original Star Wars. In fact, most special effects and CGI in most big blockbuster movies are done by ILM, which is an arm of Lucasfilm. And since Obi-Wan Kenobi is part of Star Wars, the sound design was done by Skywalker Sound, which is another division of Lucasfilm. And in order to get the full effect of the sound, you know, a good surround system is a must. The cinematography is great, and it's directed quite well, too. You see, all six episodes were directed by Canadian Deborah Chow, who is the half-Chinese daughter of parents who immigrated from Australia to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 
And this is where she grew up. Her Chinese father was an ardent movie fan and introduced to her the world of classic films and filmmaking. Her father encouraged her to take filmmaking. Now, why did Disney choose her to direct all six episodes? That's because she directed the first season of the very successful Mandalorian. Tried and tested. But what about the story? You know, the story about Obi-Wan. Is it really about the backstory of Obi-Wan Kenobi? Well, the trailers suggested it was. Disney's official synopsis for the series reads, The story begins 10 years after the dramatic events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, where Kenobi faced his greatest defeat, the downfall and corruption of his best friend and Jedi apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, turned evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. Ooh, sounds frightening, isn't it? Well, so far in the first three episodes, it's kind of a rescue mission for a 10-year young, played by the cute little Vivian Lyra Blair, and she looks a little bit like, you know, a little Carrie Fisher with her hair tied up in a bun above her head. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. One of my favorite villains in the Star Wars universe is the Grand Inquisitor. I was first introduced to the Grand Inquisitor in the animated Star Wars series Rebels, and boy, he is a mean villain. In this live-action series, the Grand Inquisitor is played by British actor Rupert Friend, and he's quite convincing. Now, the Inquisitors, um, well, it's an organization of mysterious, um, force-sensitive, dark-side agents who serve the Sith-ruled Galactic Empire. They are not Sith, although they do have red lightsabers, and their main task is to hunt down Jedi. They are like a brother and sisterhood, and although they have names, they are called by their numbers, like, for example, Fourth Brother, Fifth Sister, and so on. Now, in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, um, this period is supposed to be a dark period in Star Wars. But it doesn't really seem that way. It's catered towards, you know, teenagers and above. Some audiences are rejecting it as it's not really an Obi-Wan story. But nonetheless, I like it as the production is very good and it seems like a movie more than a series. And so far, the story is not bad. Well, it's not fantastic, but it's good enough. It's a good thing that Ewan McGregor, you know, still suits the role and he still looks the part because he hasn't aged. Would I get the Blu-ray when it comes out, you know, for my collection? Well, if there's a box set down the road with The Mandalorian and this series, I might just get them. Oh, another thing that's great is Canadian Hayden Christensen is back as Darth Vader. And so is James Earl Jones as the voice of Vader. And of course, the theme from John Williams. Some things cannot be changed, compromised, or duplicated. I'm Colin Gomez on Money FM 89.3. May the Force be with you always.